Well, hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. This is episode 195. And in this episode, I get the privilege of talking to the wonderful Jerry Tyndall, along with his beautiful wife, Jana Tyndall. And it was an absolute pleasure to visit with them, uh, listen to their stories, listen to their insight. We had a great time and we kind of bounced around with different topics and you're, you're going to enjoy it. You're not going to want to miss this one. Uh, these people are amazing and they bring so much, so much good to the world. And, uh, you know, if you, if you guys have horses, mules, donkeys, and you've never looked up Jerry Tyndale and Jana, you need to check them out. Go to Tyndale Horse and Mule School and check out what they have to offer. These people are good. They really are. And they're doing a great thing over there. And I just, I just really appreciate everybody that is bringing good ethics, good morals to their horsemanship and to their mulemanship and really trying to do the best they can to be the best they can for their equine partners. And Jerry and Jana are definitely doing that. So um, you're going to enjoy this episode. It's been one of my favorite in, lo- in the last little while. I've, I've just really enjoyed having the opportunity to talk to these two people. So to kick things off, I need to thank our wonderful sponsors. we got a list of them. All these amazing sponsors bring this podcast to you for free so you can enjoy and hopefully get a little entertainment, hopefully get a lot of education out of these, and uh, hopefully you can leave um, inspired and hopefully wanting to be a better person after you listen to these that's kind of my mission. That's kind of my goal is to help you want to be better. A uh, huge shout out to Western Mule Magazine. Ben and Anita Tennyson over there. They have done a great job for years. I've read their magazine for years. I've been writing for them for years. And they have been a generous supporter of our podcast and us for a long time. And we're so grateful to them. Also, a big shout out to Colt Saddlery. If you're looking for a dang good saddle, custom built all the way through, you need to look up Colt Saddlery. You can find them on Facebook. Also, my good buddy, Ben Lewis, over there at Roman Home Tents. Man, if you're like me, if you like the backcountry, if you like to hunt, fish, pack on your mules, get back in there where nobody else is, you need to take a Roman Home Tent with you. This, These products are just fantastic. Uh, I got the Drifter. I got the Nomad. I got the stoves. I got the bedroll. In fact, Ben just donated a bedroll, uh, sponsored a bedroll rather, to our 12 Days of Christmas that's going on right now. And uh, just super generous over there. And they do a great job. High quality canvas, high quality work. Check out Roman Homes and uh, they'll take care of you over there. I uh, also want to give a shout out to Diamond W Enterprises. You guys, uh, I know it's December, but breeding season is right around the corner. You should be doing your research now. You should be um checking out your options now and seeing what you want to do for the spring if you've got a mare that needs to be bred uh, make sure you check out diamond w enterprises my buddy kevin right over there he has a great jack they have a great breeding program going on and they'll take good care of you so make sure you look them up you can find them on facebook as well diamond w enterprises out of fountain green utah also a huge shout out to mules and more magazine my friend Corey daniels she has absolutely positively made that magazine just wonderful and we we love the work she does we love what she puts in those magazines and we love her support of this podcast so if you get a chance tell Corey thank you for us and let her know we love her and we appreciate her and last 
and but definitely not least is our buddies over there at Boyd Ranch Mule Days. We cannot wait for March to be here. We can't wait to get back down there to Wickenburg, Arizona. Enjoy the sun, the sand, the desert, the cactus. We love going to Boyd Ranch Mule Days. It is one of our highlights every year. Continually to go do a clinic there, go ride there, play there, do the mule ramble. My buddy Chris Clark has a packing clinic going on. Trail courses going on there. Good food, good entertainment, and most importantly, just amazing, amazing people involved. So come see me. Come hang out with me down there to Boyd Ranch Mule Days. You can look them up. Just look up Boyd Ranch Mule Days, and uh, you'll find all the information you want on it. So with that, let's get going. All right, Jerry and Jana. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, you guys, it's a it's an honor to have my friends uh, here on the podcast. We got Jerry Tyndall and Jana Tyndall on here, and these are fellow mule and horse and donkey enthusiasts. Um, we kind of have similar lives. We teach and help, and you know, do the best we can. So, anyways, you two, thanks for being here this morning, and and. Uh, we should have been recording it already because we already give Jerry some crap about not even knowing what a podcast is. <laughs> him up to date, but anyways, Jerry, you'll you'll you might enjoy it. You might even find something you like on there. Well, I uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, visit with us this morning, and uh, it's always a pleasure to to chat with you. And like you said, we all have like interests, and but you know, I, maybe I was a little bit confused because I have done podcasting. You know, I used to fish. Yeah. pond but i don't know if that's that's probably not the same hey, you drop, that's drop even that's oh. even better podcasting <laughs> yeah that's even funner than this oh i'm familiar with that but i've never done a podcast before but anyway we uh you know we sure appreciate being here and uh, chatting about the, the things we like yeah well it's good to have you so what are you guys up to today you just getting ready to ride here since i stopped bugging you you know, we got a day off today. We've been uh, we've had some some students here and been working all last week and through the weekend. So we're going to take the day off and we've got some madman work to do. And it was a perfect timing to get to visit with you. So uh, you caught us uh, having coffee and visiting. Perfect. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad says, I didn't take away from riding. Yeah, he says a day off, but it's a day off for or the stock. <laughs> we don't you know, you know how that goes, right? So we'll have. I things to catch up but they get a day off i call these days these are the real work days though you know yeah. like when you, when you got to go do all the computer crap and you got to do all the i mean yes. nobody thinks about all the office work like uh we do you know we got our website and we got videos and you guys have the same thing and everybody pictures uh, us just riding around all day and yeah. that is the dream right that would be great yeah. <laughs> but uh a lot of times we're riding a desk chair putting videos on a computer <laughs> so yes that's on there yeah do you guys handle all that on your end yeah 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 it's a lot it's um it's definitely not the fun part of the job but it's the necessary part of the job mm -hmm. but the farther i go into this the more challenging it gets to prioritize time to ride my own animals <laughs> I don't know if that yeah. happens to you guys too, but you know, my father-in-law, he, he gave me a great word of advice a long time ago. Um, he said, ride your own first. 
and this is when I was when I was training for the public, you know, and I had twenty or thirty in, and me and me and Sky were just going going. And he said, "You got to ride your own first because if you don't, you get to the end of the day, and your mule will be sitting there, and you'd be like, I'm just too tired. But if you <laughs> ride your own first, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm a man of integrity. So at the end of the day, I'm going to ride the client mule for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was a good piece of advice. That is a good way to look at it, <laughs> but." You know, we, it's tough. It's tough when you ride for the public. It's tough when you ride outside stock and you have your own. And like you said, making the time for your own, but you know, at least we're riding something. It's fun. <laughs> I don't know what else we'd do. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be terrible if we had to get a real job. My mother still wants me to get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I told my dad that I was going to stop going to school and, uh, you know, I had gone to school for quite some time, just making it through life, right? Taking a little bit of classes here and there because I didn't really like it and, you know, doing all that. And I finally told him, I'm like, I'm just going to go and see whatever kind of degree I can get with all the classes I've taken. And I'm going to go <laughs> and I'm, I want to ride horses for a living. That's what I want to do. And he goes, he was so, it wasn't that he was disappointed, but he goes, oh, I just worry. He's like, I worry you're going to be broke all your life <laughs> and i said yes but i will be happy <laughs> yeah you know? yeah what's the problem with that <laughs> yeah exactly so he's they're very academic in that sort but they uh yeah. they know that i'm happy and they think of you know how hard we work every day and so that translates for what they do they're hard workers so mm-hmm. but, yeah, when, when when sky and i got married or we're, we were about to get married i said now you do realize that I'm a mule trainer, right? Like, <laughs> like you understand this whole deal. Luckily she did because that's what her dad did too. So her dad and my dad both, you know, rode, rode colts for a living. So okay. it was, uh, it was pretty easy for her to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so you know, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, but, uh, so you guys, you guys got all kinds of stuff going on. You guys got uh, students coming and going, you got, you're riding for the public. You got clinics, you got videos, you got your online, your online program. You guys sound about like me with a million ways to go here. So what's uh tell us a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, we're, I'm fortunate to have uh, Jana on board because she brings in that part of the, uh, the computer stuff that I'm not very familiar with. And, uh, you know, booting up here is not a computer term. <laughs> but uh, but you know I, I've I've been very fortunate to be around these horses and mules my whole life. Uh, my daddy was was a you know he loved the log for a living, so he skidded with mules and horses, and I kind of got on the tail end of that. And then uh, we had him had him growing up, and I came to California to shoot horses with my brother, and traded horses and trained and did all those things. And it's just been a lifestyle that. Uh, you know, I've done it long enough to where now I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate all of the things that it brings to us. But we have a full uh, full board thing here. We we train outside horses. We we do our own when we can. Miss Janice shows quite a bit. Uh, she just did well in the skills of the Rancho with her bridal mule. And, uh, you know, we're just having fun. I think the enjoyment is sharing that knowledge that I've learned over a lifetime to help people and help the stock and 
I really have a good feeling today when, when, when I'm working with someone or working with those animals, I feel that I'm far enough along that, hey, I can help. You know, I've developed a little bit of a skill set here that I appreciate and, and I've worked hard to understand it. And I tell you, it's a pretty neat feeling. And we've just done it long enough that I appreciate it. And I, I'm fortunate I get to do it every day. Yeah, that, that is a blessing, isn't it? To be able to do this every day. Yes, yeah. sure. It really is. So hold on. You, you mentioned Jana, you just did the would you skills of the rancho? Is that what you called that? Yeah, the early, Tell, early I don't know what skills. that is. So that's the it's the early skills of the rancho. So it's an event in here in California in Parkfield. Um, and the California Bridal Horse Association puts it on. And they just this was their 10th year. And so it started out more as like um a th you know, two man and three man doctoring teams and you know, really professional ropers who would go and rope and you know have kind of like the pro-am and things like that um and it's kind of turned into a teaching opportunity so they have professionals the professional ropers and horsemen all different level you know all all different from all different fields right there's Dwight Hill there's um Oh goodness! Of course, I blank on names, right? Uh, Justin. That's all right. That that guy's pretty cool. So his name is great. Yeah, Dwight. Dwight works. Yeah, yeah. He's a super, and that's kind of how I got into it. Was because of Dwight, you know, because we started. We went to a class with him a couple years ago, and then, you know, they do it and all that. Anyway, so what they do now is they have different levels for advanced, novice, and intermediate, and then they have the bridal, the two rain, and the hackmore. And you have, you're paired up with your pro and the pro could have 10 people in, in different divisions. And then you have to, you know, there's a stock horse. So you rope a cow, you have, you have to do herd work, a pattern and a road deer roping. And then you have two other classes, like an alley sort and a road deer roping that are like standalones. So, but it's all about educating the you know, the, the participants being there to help them guide them do better. And then traditional California style riding with the bridal horse and the half more and all that. So it's a pretty neat event. Oh, heck yeah. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Need... It, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need more of that kind of stuff here in Utah. We don't, we don't got a lot of that kind of stuff. We, we, there's, there's a lot of ranch ropings and things like that, you know, Correct. Uh, that that's pretty common, but there's not a lot of that. I like what you're talking about. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So, so how'd it go? Good. It went well. Yeah. I, w I was pretty pleased. I mean, I did novice cause I'm not a big roper. I don't, uh, I don't rope a lot. I don't have a ton of practical, um, skill with it. Like not practical skill. Like I just don't use it in mm -hmm. my everyday work. Right. We work the horses and mules with it but it's different you're not roping a cow or oh, laying yeah. them down or you know I so I did novice because it was my first time doing it and which was nice because it took a lot of stress off of it being a you know for me because I hold a higher standard for myself and it was nice because it was all breakaway and I only had to do heads. I didn't have to heal anything. And, you know, when you break away, if you catch something, you're, you know, it's, 
it's, you're locked you're, on. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're locked on if you got a hard rope, but if you got that breakaway rope, no problem. I'll throw it. Yeah, it's it's, it's non-committal. <laughs> yes, very much so. Very much so. There's so, a way out. That's for sure. Yeah. I think when but, when you start roping, you should. I mean, like, you know, when, when my students that come, if they want to learn how to rope, they have to breakaway rope. Like, I mean hundreds right. of them like he, yeah just so many because it's a different story when you're attached and then people yeah. panic and then ropes go you know everywhere yeah. and, and you know and uh i tell you what though roping sure tells you a lot about your mulemanship doesn't it it does like your horsemanship yeah. i mean that it really tells you where you're lacking or where you're doing good i mean yeah you always i think i got a good stop and a good backup and then you know you go to a branding or something you're like well <laughs> I think I can work on that. <laughs> yeah. It can get Western in a hurry. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we teach in the clinics, you know, all about like collection and, you know, engagement, blah, 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 you know, all these things. Right. I tell you what, you, you learn if you really have it. Like I, I had one meal that uh, I was, I, I had healed, I had healed a calf and I was just trying to it was a heavy calf. It was pretty heavy, no doubt. And I was just trying to back up and I was even sliding rope to help this mule engage, you know, and, and get back. And, and I could just feel that mule only using its front end. Like <laughs> you, you might as well just cut it off behind the wither. Cause it wasn't using its butt at all. You're like, okay, we got, we got work to do. I cannot get back on this thing. Yeah. So yeah. you should learn a lot when you rope, don't yeah. you? You yeah. do. Yeah, it's uh, it was pretty, it's a nice event. It, it was a super nice event. Very, um, just a lot of like-minded people there, and it it was really special for me because I took my little mule that I've had for a couple of years now, and um, I rode him in the bridle, and I mean, I've ridden him in the ridden him in the bridle a couple times, but it was basically maybe maybe three weeks before, and he did he did spectacular he was so good so quiet did everything i could ask for so nice yeah yeah that's pretty good cool. <laughs> how do how do these folks uh you know these other participants and things um how do they like the mules coming in <laughs> so there was one other mule there and you know he was riding in a hackamore and stuff and then oh they love it they think you know they think it's the greatest thing and uh Especially when they're good. When right? they do well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they don't, boy, it's a, it's a different story. <laughs> when they don't, it's always like, oh, there goes the mule. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a mule, yeah. Yeah. And then if not, if you're doing really great, it's always like, oh, that's a nice mule. Wow. You know? And, and oh, then, yeah. And then they always give, like, as the rider and the handle, oh, man, like, you feel like you're, your head is, you know, huge because they're always so complimentary you know complimenting about how you know tough they can be and how you know most people that ride horses or seen mules or been around they know uh kind of what they're like so it really feels good when they do well to, to represent the mule as well as um you know just doing well with them too because they are such a great animal but but as yeah. you know you know most people probably still today think the mule is is a farm animal or should be pulling a plow or yeah. those sort of things, but they just, uh, and thanks to, you know, Stephen, the stuff you do that you get it out all over the country where people need to know the versatility and the talent of these animals and the old saying uh, about the mules being super tough. And 
stubborn. And it's interesting, uh, you know, we ride with uh, a good friend of ours and Janet Riser Mule, and he actually rode the mule. He said, this thing's really broke to ride. He was pretty impressed, but he said, so if you guys say these mules are so smart, why do they always do the wrong thing? <laughs> it kind of made me think a little bit, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't really know the answer to that, but they uh, they are super, super crafty and pretty clever, and they're thinking all the time, but, uh, you know, I think a mule will do everything a horse will do. They'll just do it a little bit better. You know, uh, around here, if you're going to show up with a mule, you know, like to a branding, you have to be twice as good. Like, yeah. because, okay, if you showed up to a branding, you know, just on a, on a young colt, a young horse, right? And you had some trouble. Nobody would think twice about it. Like, oh, he, oh he's just working the horse. You know, nobody yeah. would judge you, at least not me. You know, nobody would really mm -hmm. care. They'd be like, oh, whatever. She's just working a horse. But if you show up on a mule and you had the same problems, you were getting judged like so hard, <laughs> you know, so you got to be twice as good. And then even your roping skills, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you got to be twice as good of a roper because if you show up and you're missing a bunch on a mule, you're being judged twice as hard, yeah. you know, it's like, well, you better, you just better be good, you know? And uh, yeah, and funny story. I went to a, a show at the beginning of this year and I took, uh, I, we have two, we have our, two of our personal is a, is a real nice quarter horse and then my little red mule and they're both Nate and Maverick. But so I took the Mavericks to these shows and my little red mule, he does real good, of course, when he goes by himself, but you take that horse or someone else, you know, it changes a little bit and he needs to get better with that stuff. I'm not trying to make, you know, it's not an excuse for the horse, but so I took him and I showed him and I showed him more. And then I had a class with the horse. So I tied up the mule and I went and did my thing and I just left him at the trailer and I come back and he is fit to be tied. Like <laughs> he is completely sweated out. He dug a hole to China. He was kicking the trailer. <laughs> like, I mean, he was just having a fit and everybody around him. Oh, he's so cute. He's, you know, you know, oh, what am you? Oh, but he's so cute. I'm like, he's cute. I want to kill him. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny because you asked about the horses. So when you go to these horse shows and you have a mule, you kind of don't even, I feel, you don't even you know uh rate on their scale because they're like oh it's just a mule or whatever and so all these bad habits or all the good stuff it's looked at totally different but then you go to a mule show and then you're just you're just like everyone else you're right there you know but yeah. i'll just never forget that kick Under in the trailer glass. yeah i should have instructed her a little better type because all the years i showed in bishop what i learned to do especially and I took stuff. I didn't know how to train them. I didn't know that they were crazy. I didn't know anything in those days. And what I would do, uh, and it was always people that I knew, but if I had mules that I didn't, weren't very impressed with, and I was going to leave them or I was going to do something else, I'd always tie them to their trailers. <laughs> Someone else's trailer. <laughs> and, I, and I'm... I'm walking around on one that's doing pretty good. And they say, hey, man, you ought to see that mule. Bill's got it, his trailer. <laughs> and it was, it was a crazy one that I brought. Yeah. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try that one. That's a good one. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, my mules are fine. I don't know what's wrong with yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. No, so, so uh, Jerry, 
tell me about Bishop Mule Days a little bit um, in your showing days there. I, I, I've, I've showed at Bishop, I don't know, maybe five, five different years or whatever, but um, haven't been, haven't been for quite a while. In fact, the last time I was there was when, when we saw you guys there. Right. Yeah, it was sure. like 2017 or 18 or Easily. something like that. Anyways, yeah. but uh, tell, tell me about that a little, Jerry, showing the Bishop. Well, you know, I got involved in the mules. As I said, my daddy kind of had them, so we grew up with them, and I liked them a lot. Didn't know a whole lot about them, but then I come to California, and I got involved in, you know, shoeing horses for a living is how I started out. And I was shoeing horses for a lady that had some pretty nice horses, and she said, hey, uh, we, we took a mare up on pasture up in Fresno, and she's been up there for quite a while, and we went to visit her, and we don't know how it happened, but she's got a baby mule on her side. She says, we know you like mules. We'll give you that mule if you want it. I think, boy, I'll sure take it. So I go up there and I get this. Uh, he's probably a year old, never been touched out in a pasture. Luckily, there was a cow operation there. So we put him in a chute and brought him home. And I'll tell you why, that was the best educational mule I ever owned. And that thing, I didn't know anything in those days. And I tried showing this mule once I got to riding him. And it took me six months to get him to buck me off. You know, I, I didn't know I rode him and I think, you know, if you're a little bit tough, I'll ride you. I can make you get better. And, you know, in those days, I would probably push him a little harder. And and that took him a while to figure out, you know, I'm not going to put up with all this. But back to Bishop, I started taking him to Bishop. So in the early days, I used to I've been there since the mid 70s. I've been going there that long, not showing in the early days. But so then I got to show on and. And my daughter showed and we showed everything from the hitch animals. I did all the chariot racing and the team roping, the team chariot race roping. And, and then uh, I'd do some of the pleasure classes and never did do much of the team roping, the actual event. But I did all the chuck wagon stuff, a lot of the driving competitions. And, you know, this meal taught me a whole lot. But in those days, it was different because they didn't really have any instructions they didn't have any rules. Everything was just you drink and have a good time and hope you live through it. And, you know, I don't drink at all. So luckily I was a little bit more sane, but it was, it was quite an experience. And looking back at those days, I was doing things I had no clue what I was doing. And the neat thing about now is that they've got such a, a higher category where people are really, they're learning they know what they're wanting to show. They're breeding good stock and getting good mules. And it's just probably the best, the best of the best there. But I had a lot of fun at it and learned a whole lot in those days. But it's kind of how yeah. I got started. Yeah, I've enjoyed Bishop. It, it, I had I had fun. It, it changed my interest changed over the years. You know, yeah. When I first started going, I'd enter every fun class and <laughs> figured out how to really screw my mules up. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> Stand still to mount, except for right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you just you run down there, uh, you know, all the goofy classes, the Dolly Parton race, and you jump oh, off yeah. and you put the balloons in your bra and you run back. And uh, anyways, uh, yeah, you can really uh, get one riled up there. But it was fun. But then, yeah, towards the, you know, later on, I, I got more interested in, in, you know, the ranch classes and you know, and all that kind of stuff. That was, that was pretty fun. So anyways, but, uh, so, uh, you, you've mentioned your dad a couple of times, Jerry. Um, 
and skidding logs and all that. I that's one thing I have never done is is skidded logs, you know, and and that kind of stuff. So, where did where did you grow up before you moved out to California, and, and what was that? Well, from a large family, there's nine kids. Uh, originally from Missouri, we're 100 miles south of St. Louis, and my dad loved the logging business, and they kind of probably started out that way just as a job and survival, and just. Uh, making food for the family but it was something he just had a huge passion for and he loved he loved the horses and the mules and the hitches and uh so he got involved in that and then you know it, it was a very tough way to make a living in those days and he would uh go get him a job somewhere and get a little bit better on his feet and then back to the timber he'd go he'd get some more teams and go back but i remember we were on the tail end of that growing up because my twin brother and i were the the babies of the whole band. So we grew up just at the tail end of it, but I still remember some of those rides and being young and being on those hitches and, and, and learning how to, to listen because, uh, you know, it was interesting. My dad could take horses or mules, mules and horses, team them up, mix them up, the stallions, the mares. It didn't make any difference in those days. You know, today we look at a team and think they should be looked, looking the light they should be perfect and pretty but those days you know they needed to work they needed those two animals to work side by side in sequence and he could work horses with mules and studs with mares and it was pretty phenomenal but uh and he you know he taught us lessons about listening but my dad could take and find a a, a piece of timber that he wanted to cut and he would walk those those animals to that site he would cut down the trees he wanted. Then he would take one trip from the tree to the truck and they would hook them mules up and they would drive that, that route from where the trees were to the truck to load them. Once he did that, they never had to drive them mules again. They'd go back and forth on their own. <laughs> I don't know how old I was, but I wasn't probably at a stage to listen, but my dad had a little gray mule, wasn't very big. And he would just hook little stuff to that mule and, so I kept telling my dad I wanted to ride that mule. He says, you boys can't ride that mule. It's good to, to drive, but you can't ride him. So I kept thinking, well, he, he's the right size for me. I think I could ride him. Well, he's skidding logs, so he takes him back and forth. And about a oh, quarter of a mile from the truck, there was a little spot where this mule came through, and there was a log there about a foot and a half off the ground. And I'm thinking, you know, that mule comes by there. I'm just going to jump on. Well, sure enough, I did. That thing come through there, and he's got a log behind him. Well, when I got on that mule, that thing took off, and he went so fast, the log he was pulling hit the stump I stood on. And, I mean, he got back to the truck with nothing but the collar on. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad always said, you really don't have a wreck unless you've got all your harness missing when you get there. Well, it was all gone but the collar. So now I'm panicked. I figure I got to send this mule back to get the next log. I'm looking for pieces of harness and I'm trying to wire stuff back together. Well, it didn't work, but I got a pretty good uh, schooling out of that. But, you know, it was, it, it was quite an impressive uh, thing to be at the tail end of that and to see that lifestyle. But it's pretty amazing how it works. Yeah, that that's really cool. You know, I've, I've never, like I said, I've never been around that, never done that. The only thing I've seen of it is just as some, uh, you know, like they got Mule Day in Tennessee, and and that's a one of their events is skidding logs and playing yeah. around with that. And that's kind of neat, you know. And 
but um uh, that's pretty neat jerry so so what uh so, so then you started shoeing some some horses and some things and i guess g- give me a little bit of a sequence of from the shoeing on to uh getting to california and then on to the clinics and things like how so how, how it worked go? was uh you know we we fiddled with our own as kids my daddy kind of got us to trimming feet and we didn't know how to trim feet you got us to put shoes on we couldn't nail a shoe on but we we attempted to do all that and looking back it was such an education that that I'm using today that I never even knew I was gaining so through all that stuff we just we just had fun with it and then came to California my older brother shot horses in El Monte here and he told my twin and myself he said when you boys graduate I'm bringing you to California I'll teach you to shoe horses so he did that the day we re, we graduated. He picked us up. We come to California. So we start the next, as soon as we get home, we start on the truck shoeing horses. Well, my twin brother, he was a little different. He was a little bit more educational driven and he didn't shoe horses for very long. And he wanted to put himself through medical school, which he did. So I continued on the path of shoeing horses. And my brother had a good reputation. So, you know, you kind of tag along with that as you start getting around the community and people know you and then they know your brother. Now you're you're kind of somebody. And so my brother would say, hey, well, let Jerry take this horse home and work it for you. You can't shoe his feet. You can't get it in a trailer. And so I started out in those early days. Just I didn't know anything, but I knew more than the person that couldn't get along with them. So it just gave me that little bit of edge to, I couldn't get them in a trailer pretty, but at least I could get them in there. So I started that path and then the shoe and led from one thing. And then I started training and trading. And I realized that, you know, I could help these horses and send them home. But about a month after that, the people had the same problem again. Then I started saying, well, hey, let me help you do what I do. And started out that way. So I'm shooting horses and running that whole that whole career. And I started packing, started doing weekend trips in the mountains in the high Sierras. So we I just have done this thing every day. Then shoeing horses, I knew a veterinarian that I worked a lot for. He said, Hey, we need uh we need some horses fixed that are not moving very well for the Los Angeles Police Department. So he says, uh, why don't you uh come over there and see if you could help them horses? So I got involved in that organization shoeing horses for the uh, mounted patrol in LA. And then I worked there for quite a few years. And then through that process, I started helping horses that, you know, there are a few of them that pulled back and a few of them that were difficult to shoe. When I first started shoeing, the guy said, there's three horses out of 35 that we're going to need to tranquilize when you shoe them. So I went through the whole route and I was busy and shoeing a lot of horses. I'd go there once a week. And the guy finally comes in the barn on a Monday morning. He says, oh, we're man, we're way behind. I got to get these three horses to you. I've got to get them shod. And I looked at my list and I said, I've already shot them. He said, well, you can't shoe them without tranquilizing them. But I'd already developed enough horsemanship skill through the shoeing process that I could get around a horse pretty easy. So that led me into helping this and that. And then I finally hired on as the police department as a trainer and I trained police horses for for quite a few years and enjoyed that a lot. But even as that started, I started helping the community uh, work their horses and the department would send me to do little talks for people and and little things about the mounted unit and, and how it worked and what we would do with our horses and the process that we trained them. 
So pretty soon I started doing a few clinics here and there. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm pretty busy and here I am today. Man. So uh, I want to go back to that mounted patrol a little bit. Like, so, I mean, it takes a lot of, man, those got to be some good horses and uh, that's a lot of work to get them quiet enough and confident enough. What, what kind of stuff did, was you helping them with? Uh, I mean, like I've seen some of those horses that when they go through those riots and things like that, and they just, just plow through. Right. I mean, how do you get those things so darn confident to do that? Well, the thing that I brought to the unit the most was the horsemanship. I didn't really know how to train police horses, but I knew how to train horses. So I took that concept and I started seeing horses that they needed, they needed to get caught easier uh, and these were good street horses. You couldn't beat them. Once they got on the street, they had the job down pat. They they were really the best of the best. But I noticed little things like trailer loading, little things like, uh, you know, they weren't comfortable in the barn. Maybe they're a little sassy around other horses. And so we, I brought to the horses the horsemanship side of softness. Once we started getting the horses soft, we started getting them supple. We started doing all of our basic maneuvers. That seemed to help the other things get better as we progressed. So the horsemanship was the first thing that I really brought to the unit before we did the job. The second thing that we worked on the most was evaluating the horse for that job description. I think today a lot of people, they buy a horse or get a horse or a mule and they say, you know, I had one like this when I was a little kid. I'd like to have the same color. I'd like to have the same size. But you got to start thinking of temperament, trainability, and the job description you'd like to have your horse do. And we needed horses pretty bad through the years working that job. Uh, we would retire our good horses. And we looked at, in one year's time, I'm pretty safe to say we looked at over 60, 70 head of horses through a one ad. Someone would call us. The neighbor said they had a good horse. The barn down the road said they had a good horse. They said, we've got a good a good horse that would make a good mounted horse for your unit. So we would look at probably 60 head of horses a year. And that would be through a phone call, a conversation. Well, out of that number, we would probably start to look at 2025 a little bit deeper. Maybe the description fit the size and the color and the temperament. And then from there, we would probably go look at physically go look at 10 to 12 head of horses. Out of those 10 or 12, we probably would ride four or five. Out of that four or five, we'd bring one or two to the barn, and hopefully we could buy one horse. <laughs> now, that doesn't say they weren't good yeah. horses. I'm yeah. just saying that they weren't uh, the quality. They weren't the type of horse that we wanted for that particular job. And it took a very special horse to handle that stress and that type of ride. So... The mounted unit was formed for two things. One was crowd control and the other, and the, the other was crime suppression. The crowd control department was very limited. We didn't, we used the horses and they were very effective, but the, we formed, they formed the unit in 88. And that time there weren't a lot of calls for the mounted unit to go on just the, 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 uh, lost my train of thought here, just for the crowd control. So then they implemented crime suppression. 
that meant that the horse is now the radio car. So instead of getting in the radio car to go do your job, you leave the barn, take your horse to the location, you ride your horse, you actually make a rest and those sort of things from horseback. So that's when the, the unit really started to, to make its point, which was through the crime suppression. So you could ride every day and do a job or you could be called up in a special event on the crowd control. So it was just, a, I think it was the best unit in the country. I was very fortunate to work there and to be involved in that with uh, being Metro, they were the best of the best and worked with some of them. Was able to add some to the unit, but it took away a lot as well. Yeah, that's pretty dang neat um, to be part yeah. of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I was just thinking about your comment about all the horses you'd look at on, you know, in the ads and then how you'd narrow it down to one or two. And, uh, but that's just, that fits just about anything you want. Like, I mean, somebody looking for a riding animal, you know, it's, it's kind of like that if they do a good job at it. Um, one thing that I'm always trying to tell my students is not to buy the very first thing you see. You know, I, I probably like you, I get a, I mean, it seems like a million calls and, and emails about people looking for mules and, uh, they'll get pretty excited about one or they'll get a little anxious, like, Oh, this is the one I'm going to lose it, you know? And, and they want to yeah. jump on it right away. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a proponent. Hey, go, you need to go look at a lot of them. And, um, yeah. I think especially, um, you know, I get a lot of, of the crossover, I guess when somebody, Maybe they had ridden horses, you know, their whole life, but they're interested in mules and, um, you know, they're familiar with horses and conformations and dispositions and things, but they think mules are like this, you know, alien creature and, uh, <laughs> you know, and they, so they better just buy the first one or whatever. I don't know, but they get a little excited and, and I tell folks, you know, if you can just go be around as many as you can to really find the fit, uh, that's super important. I mean, you do you bet. run into that with your, a lot of your clients these days too, is, you know, people just wanting to jump the gun and, Hey, well, it, it's the same color, like you said, as when I was a kid. Yeah. So let's just get to that one. It is. And, uh, but I think the education today is, is broadened so much due to the internet and all the social media and people are more aware. Uh, and you don't have to take the first thing you see that there's a lot of, of different variables to look at, but when we would take those street horses and put them to work, not only did we pick a nice mount that we knew, and then once we decided to try that horse, we had a 30-day window at the barn where we would put those horses through every pace we wanted them to do, which meant we rode them at the barn, we simulated some of the crowd control, we did some of the sensory training, we'd ride them on the streets downtown or in Hollywood Boulevard, we'd take them to the beach, we'd, we'd acclimate them in that 30-day trial process to make sure that they're going to be halfway suitable. Now, we could help some situations if they needed some, some help in those areas, because those horses, a lot of times, were never around those elements. But we also determined that if that horse was not going to be solid, or maybe he just couldn't handle certain aspects of the job, we had to determine if we had a place for him. And we had such a, a need for good, solid horses that didn't rattle very easy. That's kind of what we looked at the most. So it was pretty interesting that we we chose the horse that even if we needed to help him, he could make the grade. But there are some horses that they're never going to be that type of horse for a police horse, but they can sure be good horses for something else. Yeah. 
you know, I want to open up a can of worms about that topic right there, if you don't mind. And uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from both of you on this because um, this is something that uh, I think, I don't know if I'd want to say plagues the, the, the equine world, but it sure is a hang up. You know, I'll get somebody to come to a clinic and, you know, it, it's just really clear that they're not getting along with this animal and it's no fault necessarily of the animals. And it's really no fault of the person. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. But you say that to them and they're all, they're offended. Like you offended Fluffy, you know, and like, how dare you say, uh, you know, because they love well, this mule and they love this horse and they, you know, don't want to break up. But, you know, you can clearly see like, you know, and you, you guys have the same position as I do. We're pretty blessed because we can see things from a detached perspective, meaning, correct. you know, I'm on the outside looking in and this relationship isn't working you know, and it's just not a good fit. Somebody says, well, I want this meal, you know, for my kid, or, you know, I want this meal for, for me to go do this or that on. And it's just not well, a good fit. <clears throat> That's just reality sometimes. And, and you're saying yeah. that you, you found that, you know, with the police force for sure, but sure. Uh, that goes all around and, and you can get good at horsemanship and the people can work at it and you can get the animal better, but sometimes it's just not going to fit. You know, well, like Jerry said, you know, they're not, they weren't for that job. They weren't a bad horse. They just yep. weren't suited for that job. And it's exactly like you said, they're just not a good fit for the human or the situation or, or, you know, and it's nothing wrong about the, the person or the animal. It's just not, but we get the human emotion so attached to things right off the bat or, you know, we just had a call from a gal who <clears throat> was, had got a Mustang. And so she's, you know, had it for a few months now, but it's still got the halter on. She can't figure out how to take it off and all this stuff. And, she, you know, but she kept saying to me, and, and he, he's aged, he's an eight-year-old Mustang that's probably been in captivity for a few years, but really not super never clear, touched. never touched or not really sure what his background is, but, you know, and the same thing, she's had horses her whole life and <clears throat> all that, but she kept saying, you know, oh, I, I know he's a good horse. I know he's a good horse. And, but I just can't, I need to have something that's safe and all this and be able to handle. And I'm thinking my, I, I would, I mean, to be blunt, I was thinking, how do you know it's a good horse? You know, if you can't, if the only it. if you can't touch it you can't get the halter off it's pulling his head away you can't you know and he's she kept saying how gentle it was and how it hasn't offered the kicker or any of that i'm thinking but if you put that horse in a scary situation or you get more in depth with it and trying to get the halter off or get him cornered he is going to kick you he just hasn't gotten to that point and i'm thinking and so i kept trying to tell her you know okay so realistically what this looks like is you know six months to get him gentle you know, at the minimum to, to where you can, she could take him home and probably handle him, you know, get the halter on, catch him up, get his feet done, deworm, all that stuff, just the basics. But she kept telling me, you know, oh, I just, I love this horse and I want to give him a good home and he deserves it and all this stuff. And that's super nice to have those people to do it, but it, it takes support. It, it takes quite a bit to get them. And you know, I, I don't know. I'm a little more, Jerry's probably more of an optimistic than I am, uh, you know, but 
it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And sometimes, you know, but people have a hard time hearing it's not a good fit, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. So people have a hard time hearing also that, hey, you know what? Somebody can make this horse or this mule, you know, they can make it happen but it's not you. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> and that hurts, you know, that does it hurt. Does. It really does. I mean, you know, and that kind of leads to, I think something that gets in the way a lot. And I'd love to hear your comments on this too, is, is ego. I think ego is like number one, you know, enemy number one, when it comes to horsemanship and mulemanship. I mean, ego gets in the way, doesn't it? Here's how I think today. And uh, I really studied this, I studied this combination between the horses and the people and the mules and myself once I'm involved. Now, if I go on a ride somewhere and nobody's uh, asking me for help, unless they're getting ready to get killed, I don't say nothing. I got no, uh, I got no involvement at all, unless it's a safety issue. But once you've asked me to help you, I think my, uh, my honest opinion is always going to be. So I think about, there's professions professions that you have to be skilled at and you have to have a certain amount of understanding, doctors, lawyers, firemen, policemen, whatever it might be, CPA workers, whatever it is. You've got the shingle, you've got their credential, and now you have the authority to say, look, I can help you with this problem. What I do is I take my program and I and I just like I structured for the for the police department. There was certain schooling that we went through, then there were certain criteria, and then there's a certain routine to do everything every day. Then you adjust to fit the situation. I think where we can help people, for me today, where I can help people the most, it is to let people know, if you want to get along with this animal, you need to know what he does and why he does it. Then you need to know how to address that behavior and how you can get that into your idea as well as his. But I think putting it all on the table and schooling the people the most. When you talked about ego, I think ego is insecurity. So when someone boasts about something or they're really, the more trouble, just like in the horses, the more trouble the person has, the more they need to know or they seem to think they need to know. But if you will get to a point where you know very little and allow someone to help you, that's when we can make the change. And for me, I've always had that that idea to do that. A real quick story, when I was at Bishop for a lot of years, there was a, a couple guys came from Oklahoma. Now, most of the guys in Bishop in these days, they got fancy trucks and trailers and mules are shaved and they got all this, this nine yard stuff going. Well, these two old boys came in from Oklahoma. They unloaded these two, these pair of mules and they're going to just do the pulling contest. And uh, these things look like woolly bears. I mean, they had hair three inches long on them. You couldn't even pet them. These things were wild as a March hare. But I knew this guy knew something. I just, I just had the feeling this is, this guy's the real deal. And I'll tell you that first introduction I had around Mr. Martin was if he stopped, I ran into him. I wasn't being rude, but I was trying to listen or watch anything this guy had to say. I felt if he said something, it was going to be a gold nugget. So he was the kind of guy simply when you weigh mules at Bishop Mule Days for the pulling, 
the weight because they they don't pull on they pull on percentage where a horse contest is a dead weight pull but the mules are percentage you percentage your weight that puts you in different classes he was so clear about his pulling he would take the halters off to take two pounds off of the weight when he went into weight for that anyway i got to meet this guy a couple years of being around him i really got to be good friends with him and that mule I told you about that taught me the most valuable lessons that I could ever learn. He would drive really good when he wanted to. And I worked him hard. I hauled hay with him. I did everything I could do to get him ready for mule days. But I'd get him to mule days and sometimes he would mess up. So this particular year, Mr. Martin had already pulled. He was sitting in a chair. I'd pulled. That mule just came apart. He just, just, it was embarrassing because I thought he would do pretty well. I tied him up and I went over and I can still see Mr. Martin sitting in that chair. I said, Mr. Martin, I know you know a lot about mules. I'd like to ask you a question. Is there any way you could help me get that mule better at pulling? He says, if you want to pull a mule, get a different mule. He went to Oklahoma. I go to California. Next year, we go to Bishop Mule Days. Mr. Martin's there. Jerry Tyndall's there. And I got a different mule. I still had that mule because he rode well and he did other things, but he wasn't a, a hitch mule. And Mr. Martin told me years after that, he said, you know what? People walk up to me every day and ask for my opinion, but you're the only fellow ever took it. <laughs> well, so that's you got to think about that. You've got to think about that. If you really want someone's advice or you want their input, at least consider it. Oh, yeah. Most people would say, I ain't getting rid of that mule. That mule's great. I can make him happen. Well, he wasn't making it when you was asking about the problem. So just be aware of how you can listen and be observant. It really helped me a lot. Yeah. That's, that's a cool story, Jerry. You know, it, it seems like, it, you know, in these relationships, there's really three entities, you know, you got, you got the equine, you got the human, and then you got the the combination. And um, everything has to kind of come together to really make some serious progress. But, you know, what I was saying about ego earlier is, you know, uh, it, it, it hangs up a lot of people like, you know, and, and there's definitely different, I guess we could say different types of people, different genres of people, because you know, out here in Utah, you get, um, you know, at least this rural area I'm in, you know, it's, it's very ego driven. If, if a guy has a horse or a mule that, that they're not getting along with, I mean, you know, a, a little bit of ego, I guess maybe isn't terrible because it, it might keep them going. Like I, I can, I can do this. So, you know, we, we can get through this and maybe a small dose of it is, you know, it's all right. I mean, it's the same thing. Like when I was, you know, when I was rodeoing riding Bronx, okay, let's face it. Everybody that is rodeoing has a little ego at least, right. Or else why would you be out there trying to, trying to win, trying to, trying to ride, you know? So a little bit, a little bit of it might push you. Um, but too much of it is dang sure dangerous because I've seen some folks that, you know, they don't want to give up on something. And, um, only because they don't want to say they didn't, you know, they give up. Sure. You know, when really it's not, it's not a good combination and, or, you know, like you were just saying on taking advice too. I mean, uh, I'm the same as you, 
I'm only going to give advice if somebody asks for it. That's it. Right. Like, or, or like if, if they're about to die, I'll let them get Maybe. pretty close to it <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll pull them off the edge. But, uh, but you know, otherwise, you know, uh, and part of that too, I, I'm sure you found the same thing in your career, which is longer than mine is, you know, if you're, if you're telling somebody how to do stuff all the time, you run out of friends pretty quick. You and bet. Pe- people don't want to ride with you if you're always just telling them what to do all the time. And so I, I've, I've, Somebody gave me that advice a long time ago, and I've kept it. And uh, and actually drives some of my friends a little bit crazy because they're like, why won't you just help me out with this? I'm like, well, do you want me to help you? Yes. Okay. Well, now I will. But yeah. until you ask me, I'm going to let you figure it out on your own yeah. because I'm not going to butt in and ruin a friendship because I tell you something. And that kind of goes back to the ego too. You know, I'm I'm you know I don't want to stomp on somebody's ego. That might be yeah. a good way to ruin things also, but. Yeah, it's an interesting situation that we're in sometimes as, as you know, in our profession, I think. Yeah, because it can be a waste of time <laughs> and energy. You know, it's like like the old saying about paying a pig to sing. Uh, you annoy the pig and you waste your money. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've never heard that, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't i'm gonna be happen. i'm gonna be quoting you now <laughs> there All goes right. your reputation hey there's the gold nugget i've been waiting for yeah. <laughs> i think to talk about the with people and their personalities just to chime in on that a little bit it's pretty um and like you know, you, you mentioned Jerry, you and you both, you know, you don't really say anything to people because you don't want to hurt those feelings or you don't want to ruin relationships. And it probably took a while to figure that out. And I'm pretty thankful for Jerry to help me figure that out because I mean, I, it, it's tough. You want to help because you think you want to help people and you want to help them get better. But if they're not in that spot, then, you know, and, yeah. and what the neatest thing is to watch people watch Jerry with people that are like that, because he just kind of gives them things to do like, okay, well, that's great. Well, show me this or, and he's really, um, I don't want to say it's not sly, but he's very good with being able to like, basically let you know, you, you know, you know, you might need a little help, but he never tells them that, Hey, look, look, look here, you, uh, dingus, you know, you're, you're not doing that right. You know, but he would never, he doesn't do that. He just says, okay, that's good. Well, why don't you try this? Or, uh, how, can you show me how you do this? Or, you know, and he never makes people from what I see that have that. And I think that's why he's been so, that's why he is so successful with the people is because he doesn't butt heads with people with the ego because he, you know, he doesn't, you know, where I want to tell these people sometimes, you know, and <laughs> I'm learning because that's not the right way to do. You, you tell, tell them they're wrong. You know, if you but. think about it, we're trying to teach our stock something. And I just thought about this while Miss Jenna was talking, but, you know, we all go through it. I went through it. I look back and I've done things and I'm thinking, man, that was the craziest thing in the world to do. But at that moment, I thought, hey, this is what I need to do. But if you have folks that are in your corner that you believe in that will help you and guide you and be there to help you, just take a moment to take that. And, you know, a real quick story about riding. How many times, just like you noticed, would, you know, the old saying is green on green, make black and blue. (laughs) 
if that was my animal, I wouldn't ride him, would you? Now, <laughs> with that being said, I was in the same predicament. I was hanging around the Santa Anita racetrack shoeing horses with those guys, and I wasn't licensed on the track to shoe, but I hung around with all those people. And I met a guy that was a boxer. And I used to box a little bit as a kid and from a big family, you know, we scrapped and we wrestled and we've tugged and fought. I mean, I was somebody, I was pretty tough in those days and I could hold my own. So I meet this guy on the racetrack. He says, Hey, I, I found out he was a boxer. I said, I've always had a huge interest in that. I'd like to take some boxing lessons. So we, he gets me all set up. He says, you need to get your mouthpiece, get your, get your bags, get your gloves, get your wraps and meet me at this location. So I show up now I'm shoeing horses. I'm riding three or four a day. I'm packing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm busy and I'm athletic and I'm fit. So it's kind of like telling a person you might want to do groundwork before you get on your horse. So I show up at this guy's gym and he says, okay, you need to start running. You need to do push-ups, setups. You need to work the heavy bag. You need to work. The I said, Hey, look, I mean, I shoe horses all day long. I'm riding horses. I, I want to box. He said, no, you really need to do your homework and you get your footwork. You're going to get your air up. So two days of this, he says, all right, you want to box? So he wrapped my hands. He put gloves on. He said, three, three minute rounds. I'm ready. I knew how to jump up and down. I knew how to hold my hands. And so he whistles at this kid over there working on the heavy bag and little kid about I don't know. He looked like he weighed 90 pounds. I'm thinking this is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. That kid come in that ring, that bell rang. And I'm, I don't know where he was because he must've been 10 feet from me, but he hits me. So I get my hands ready. I protect my head and he hits me in the rib cage. I can't even <laughs> see this guy. I don't even know where he's at now. He just banging on me with him gloves. The first round I got pretty tired and I also got pretty serious. So second round, here we go. I don't know what did. It must have been two seconds because we're back at it again. Well, here comes this kid banging and pushing and bumping. And I'm thinking, I don't see these things. I don't know where it's coming from. And he's just boxing my ears off. The second round, my mouth was pretty dry and I could hardly breathe. We got one more round to go and I don't know how I'm going to make it. So we get the third round bell going and my arms were so tired. I couldn't pick them gloves up. <laughs> I had to I had to hold this kid to keep him from hitting me. I didn't know any other way to survive. And after that, yeah. I clumb up and I had to go underneath them ropes. I couldn't go over them. I sat down and after an hour of recouping and thinking, I went over and said, Sir, I, I'd like to practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's a lesson oh, that I learned in that yep. situation now he didn't hurt me that he put that kid in there for a purpose i mean they mm -hmm. could have just knocked me out with one punch but i thought i knew a little something and going into that with that type of thought man i was way over my head but those lessons in life that we go through we need to remember those and think hey i, I got to be a little better prepared in some of these endeavors i go through but I ended up being a pretty good boxer, but I had to do all the things he said I had to do prior to getting saddled and get on. Yeah. You know, you, you can use that story and apply it as an analogy for so many, pretty much everything in life, everything in life, because 
you know, it, it's interesting, you know, somebody will call and say, you know, I have a, uh, I have a meal that doesn't back up very good, or I get, my horse doesn't trailer load. And it, they, they want an answer for that specific problem. Like as if there's one, one thing, Oh, do this thing right here. And it fixes it. Or here's this tool, you know, hand me a screwdriver, hand me a hammer. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, and you probably found this Jerry is, is the farther you get in, in your own education, like me, the farther I get my education, the more I'm like, well, hold on. We, we get, let's just go way back to the beginning and let's just see what's missing in there because there's pieces missing in there. Sure. But it's not just a quick fix, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but it, uh, it seems like the, the, the more I learn, the harder it gets for me to answer simple questions. What I mean is kind of like what I just said is like, well, where do I start? You know? Yeah. Okay. How was your attitude when you walked out to catch your mule? I mean, it, it can, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, hold on. What side of the bed you wake up on? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it goes back to so many things that can influence, you know, so many things can influence, um, you know, a moment of time. It's really, it's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. It's pretty impressive today to, to listen to people and to watch and, and to, to be able to be helpful and, and be simple. I, like Miss Janice says, I, I don't butt heads with nobody and I don't say anything bad or say anything indifferent. I just give them some structured things to think about and then it's up to them to practice those things. And that gives them the answer they're searching for. If I give them the, the program and say, hey, you say your meal doesn't back up. So, well, let's get him to move and let's do this and do that. And the next thing you know, he will back up. So like you said, you got to come about it from the beginning. You got to give them some, some footsteps to go through and some things to practice. And that I never tell anybody they're wrong. I just say, well, just show me what you do. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to go about it. You know, Doesn't I mean, hurt their um, feelings. well, and, you know, if somebody's pretty sincere about wanting to learn, then, you know, we should be super supportive and, you know, we have their back and, and I want them to know that yeah. we are, you know, we are sincerely here to help. And I say that at the beginning of all my clinics, I say, you guys, I want you to know I'm, I'm sincerely here to help you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm here. I want you to succeed. I want you to be the best that you can be in your mule, your horse to be the best they can be. And, um, you know, some of your perspective right there re reminds me a lot of uh, some of the things that I've heard about uh, Tom Dorrance. Now, I never got to meet him. Um, I wish I would have. But, you know, I have tried to get my hands on every everything he ever wrote, everything that was ever filmed of him, every home video, every article written about him. I mean, I've tried to I, I've just researched that guy as, as much as I possibly could to this point. And, um, you know, it sounds like he did a lot of the same things that, that you kind of do, Jerry, you know, you, you just set it up for them and, and try to help them. You know, uh, I've, I've never heard anybody say a negative word about Tom Dorrance. No, you pretty much every other horseman in the whole world. I've, I've heard negative things sure, about, sure, but never about Tom Dorrance. Did but you get Tom was, around uh... him? I was around Tom just a little bit, just because I was involved with Larry Mayhem for a while. Yeah. And when I was working for the mounted unit th at that time, Larry Mahan hosted a program called, uh, uh, I forgot what it is, it, what it was exactly. Uh, but anyway, Larry, 
they came to the mounted unit to do a deal on our horses. So I, I really got to, I knew Larry from the rodeo industry, but had never been him or been around him, but he shows up and we hit it off pretty well. He says, Hey, uh, if you ever want to come up to my place to spend the week, he says, I'd like to have you help me with some students and we'll just have a good time. And I had a couple of bosses were really good about letting me do those things. So I got to go to Larry Mahan's ranch in Colorado for a week. So I spent some time with him and then, and then I got in that, that situation, I got to hang around with Tom, but to tell you how Tom thinks it was probably the most special thing that made him who he was. And he did things so simple. I remember he was working a Mustang horse one time in an around pin and there was a, a lady there and Brian Newbert was there helping Tom and Brian was in the round corral and they had the horse, they had the horse halter, had the rope on the outside of the round corral, and he was going to have this lady hold the rope, and he wanted Brian to get behind the horse and just walk back and forth with the flag because the horse had some issues switching eyes. So he tells this young lady, he says, now there's a pair of gloves in that chair. I'd like you to put those gloves on. So she picks up the gloves and she puts them on, and Tom says, you're going to see there's some tape on the right thumb of that glove on the thumb, I put a wrap tape around that. He says, you might think there's a hole in that glove. He said, there's no hole there. He said, it got thin and I put the tape on. See, that's how he thought. He thought in such deep thought processes of, you know, don't wait till it's got a big hole in it, fix it. Let's do something while it's getting a little bit warm and we can save it a little bit longer. So that's, that's kind of how he thought. and was so quiet and so easy going and he just had so much knowledge about stuff that he didn't even know he just he did it so naturally and the stories are just endless about how he impressed so many people and so many things in just that thought process and he was just so quiet but he was just a genius as well he thought different than anybody else yeah who, who are some of your other uh influences in your horsemanship and your mulemanship up to this point like who who has i mean you mentioned your dad and i'm sure you learned a lot uh, uh you know growing up just being around that type of culture and that deal but who, who else has influenced you well growing up through the horse industry you know especially the horseshoe and i i got to hang out with some horseshoers that that i knew that were really uh, high on the chain as far as educational people but then in the horsemanship part of it, at Bishop Mule Days, I got to hang out with a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of guys in the early days that were, were competing and winning. Uh, Chamberlain, oh, I forget a lot of the names now, but I learned a lot from those guys. But the horsemanship, I started to get involved in. Mike Baker was a big influence for me. He was a performance horse trainer here in Burbank, California. I rode with Mike quite a while. I got to hang out with uh, with Tom a little bit just through Larry Mahan, but I've also studied, I'm a big student of Ray Hunt. I got to hang out with Ray quite a bit, not near as much as I wished I would have, but I really learned a huge foundational thing from Ray because he did the same thing every day, the same exact thing every day. He might mix it up, but it was exactly the same thing. He was such a stickler on getting these feet to do these certain things that it just stuck to me like glue. And I really appreciated that. 
but I did. I rode with Buck Brenneman. I really like Brian Newbert. I rode with Joe Walter. Uh, so I've been influenced with those guys that are the same kind of deal that Ray was. I like to study that style. And, uh, but I gravitate to people that, that I really know they know what they're doing as far as my style. It's not that there's, there's a lot of different styles you can go to, whatever is your thing. That's great. But for me, I liked what Ray talked about. I liked his philosophy and his approach to life and fix it simple, turn it loose, release it, reward it and go again. Uh, so that's kind of that circle of guys that I really study is, uh, you know, Ray and I rode with Buck, Brian Newbert, Joe Walter. Those are, the, I think, the guys that really kept and still keep Ray's philosophy alive. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, you know, you're, you're mentioning style, you know, or I guess you could say genre or type or whatever word you want to use. Right. Um, because I, you know, I, I've come to understand the same thing that, you know, there's a lot of ways to do something with a horse and a mule. Sure. I mean, you know, and, and there's really not one, one way that is, you know, I guess the only way it's, but I, I, one of my favorite quotes from, from Tom Dorrance is that you have to treat the mule the way you should treat the horse. And, mm -hmm. uh, I really like that. And, um, you know, the, the age old conversation, people that just don't know what they don't know it, you know, a stubborn mule, right. You hear that. And, and when you dig a little deeper into these people's lives, a lot of times you learn they they've never actually even rode a mule. So they just repeating as a parrot, what they've heard, but, uh, the people that have worked with some mules and maybe didn't have a lot of success with it, you start digging a little deep into how they approached some of the things. And, um, you know, my favorite thing about the teachings like that you teach and, and people like Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt and, and the others you mentioned is, you know, making the right thing easy. And I think that's where people run into the most trouble with mules is when they're trying to just make it happen. Sure. And, um, they get that shutdown mode of the mule and, you know, the, the ignorant or the naive, whatever word you want to use, calls it stubborn, you know? And, and, uh, so I think that's my, probably my favorite lesson from people like Tom Dorrance and, and things that I've picked up on. What's your, what's your take on that? You know, I agree with you a hundred percent, but here's my simple philosophy on what I apply today and try to believe in and teach, but you have to have the basics. So people say every day, you, you know, I can't get my horse in the trailer. Well, we know that's a leading problem. And you mentioned a, the statement that there's, everybody talks about. And they say, make the, the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult. But if you don't know what that is, how in the world are you going to do that? If you don't know mm -hmm. what the right thing is, you can work on that till the cows come home. And that's not going to happen. So if we learn to go to the basics, that's what I liked about Ray Hunt so much because his horsemanship classes were just, he could get so much out of a horse and a student that neither one of them knew anything because he would have them do the same thing every ride, ride down the arena, make a half a turn to the left, go the other way, move the hindquarters, move the front quarters, do a circle, go away, keep him soft, keep the feet cadence, keep the rhythm keep the balance. And he talked about it day in and day out. And that's what I locked on to the most. But for people to misunderstand that, I think it, it just gets in our way. But that philosophy 
is something that we can believe in and apply today. Yeah. I mean, I just apply that to pretty much every, anything I want to do with the mule, you know, I just apply that idea, you know, how can I make it easier to do this? But yeah, you're right. If you don't know uh, the steps to, to, to make it easy, you know, yeah, you, okay, well, let's just grab the whip and get them in the yeah, trailer. Yeah. Like, that's all I know. All right. Yeah. I know I was at a, I was at a deal one time and, and this gal runs up to the booth. I'd already done everything and we're just kind of talking and she runs up. She says, man, I'm so glad to meet you. And I'm so glad to help you. And she says, I've got this mule and I want you to help me. And I know he's different. And I know I, you, I said, ma'am, the first thing is your mule's not any different than the horse. I said, he eats the same food, goes in the same trailer. Do you have a horse trailer or a mule trailer? So I'm just kind of talking her through some of this basic stuff and her husband's in the background going, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell her. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't treat them any different, but I'll tell you that there are some differences. Just like people. When I, when I do a class, I go in that arena and everybody is the same. And then I make adjustments in a very kind and thorough way. I make adjustments to fit the, all of the, these situations. So people ask, What's the difference between a horse and a mule? There are no differences, but they do things differently. You take a colt that you've raised in your house, your barn. He's been blanketed. He's had his feet done. He's been pretty good to be around. You take him to a hitch rail and it's time to put a saddle on him. And you tie him up and put a saddle on. You cinch him up and he feels that cinch that he's never felt before. He panics. He pulls back breaks the lead rope, and now you have a colt that is cinchy and has a pullback problem. That horse will probably do that every day you take him to the hitch rail. You do that to your young mule, hitch rail, groom him, saddle, pad, saddle, cinch, he panics, he pulls back, he breaks the rope. You have the same thing that you had with your colt. The only difference is you won't get that mule back to the hitch rail. See, the horse will go to the hitch trail time and time again and make the same mistake. The mules, they won't do that. Once, once they get a situation where they're really clear they're not going to go, they're just they're going to be very hard to convince. So like you said, it's, it's a huge education for us and the mules because we really have to think and think, okay, what's going on before I continue to push this thing and see what's going to happen? That mule that I talked about that taught me so much, I, I had him where this thing, boy, he'd go up a tree and through a knot hole. This, this mule could ride, boy, and I had a handle on him. But I always pushed him a little more. I didn't know in those days. We're riding in the high country. We come off the mountain into a big old meadow. and I mean, it's beautiful. Everybody stopped. They get, we can't get them to go. They won't go through that, through that timber and all that green grass. I said, get out of the way. I got one, although mine didn't want to go either. Oh, I, got, I can get him. Well, I finally pushed him up and he stepped into that grass. We sunk clear to the saddle horn. <laughs> he tried to tell me that ain't the best place to go, but I thought, well, we'll make it. But I started listening to him after that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like you get that question a lot. What's the difference, right, between horses and mules? I mean, that's probably... I mean, top five most commonly asked questions for me, right? And uh, it's just like anything else. I, you know, I mean, I've never, but I've never been asked uh, 
what are the similarities between <laughs> horses and mules? Right. That list is long, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's sure. there's so many similarities, and uh, uh, I think that's interesting. But, um, anyways, I like that conversation, Jerry. I appreciate your insight on that. You know, um, I like I I just wrote this down. Uh, there's no differences, but they do things differently. I like that. I like well, that. you know. And the mule, what makes the biggest influence, and again, the breeding, when I was a little boy, the breeding was more like, you know, you got a mare that doesn't produce good horse calls, well, breed them, get a mule. So that was some of that old thought process, but today they're breeding some really nice stuff to really nice stuff. Uh, like uh, Tucker Slender, a good friend of mine that shows in Bishop for many, many years, he brought he bred and brought a mule to Bishop that was really well bred out of some cow breeding, and her name was Donkalina. You know, Donkalina yep, is a big name in the horse yep, world. So yep. he named her I remember Donkalina. the mule. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what makes the difference is how much donkey you get in your mule. Mm-hmm. The old timers told me if you can work a horse, you're pretty good. If you can work a mule, you're a little better. If you can work the the donkey, you're really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we know that it takes a donkey one hour and a half to watch 60 minutes of TV. <laughs> <laughs> they are slow. <laughs> so, and you're, you're not going to make that happen. So yeah, it funny. depends on how much donkey you get uh, and then how much horse influence you get. So it is interesting how you have that combination. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and, people talk about mule people don't really talk about horses near nearly as general as they talk about mules you know when you talk about horses well, well what breed you know well okay then yeah. then you narrow down a breed and then you narrow down bloodlines you know you, these days you don't even say it's a quarter horse no it's, it's all about bloodlines and sure you know a, a racing quarter horse totally different from a cutting quarter horse i mean they might as well be two different breeds at this point in in history yeah. right it, yeah. But but a lot of folks will say, "Oh, a mule." Well, we could have all kinds of mules. I mean, we could, you know. And I've I, I've rode all kinds of mules, and it's it, it, they're totally different creatures depending yeah. on the breeding yeah. too, which is very interesting to me, you know. But yeah, they all. But at the end of the day, they are all they are all equine, and uh, we can use our our philosophy and our our work on that, and and do the best we can. So. And that breeding program is important. The best mule I ever owned was, uh, he was out of Oklahoma by truck. <laughs> that was his pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, I hope you write, I hope you write all these things down. You, you need to get. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm getting to be a, I, I, uh, we'll, just, um, we'll call the book words of Jerry. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. I came up with that deal. I was at it. I was at a, a show one time and this guy had this horse and, and uh, he just couldn't get along with this horse. It just wasn't working very good. But he attempted to tell everybody a five-page summary of how this thing was bred. I mean, he knew every bloodline and every name, all these yeah. numbers. And finally, somebody looked at me and says, that deal you got's pretty good. What's the pedigree on that thing? I said, he's out of Oklahoma by truck. <laughs> they thought that was the funniest thing they ever heard. The old boy with the horse didn't like it, but. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. That's interesting. So 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 Jana, I've been neglecting you for a minute. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> how did how did you how did you come into this picture? Did you start riding with Jerry and and um 
Tell us yep. about tell us about that a little bit. Uh, so I grew up down in uh, Southern California, and I grew up. I was fortunate to have horses. You know, typical. We boarded them for a long time, and um, you know, so just trail road. Did Jim Canna? Took a, you know some riding lessons when I was little and things like that. But uh, my mom got a young horse when I was like I don't know thirteen or so, and we ended up. I don't, even, I don't even remember how she ended up going to the clinics with Jerry, but that's how it all, you know, we came up, you know, she started going to clinics with him and doing a program and she was, you know, very nice and drugged me along to all of them and put me in some of them at a young age and I didn't know. And, you know, but that's how we first met Jerry. And then um, I've always had horses and I had one horse for a long time that was pretty troubled and, you know, I got bucked off a lot <laughs> and I mean, it was bad. I think about her all the time because I mean, she was cinchy and she pulled back and she, I mean, she, she, I remember we were riding on the side of a hill and she scared her, she, she tooted and scared herself and then went straight to bucking and, you know, and <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know how to ride. I mean, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And, um, but then when I was in my, you know, when I started really getting back into it and we talked earlier about the ego and stuff. And one of the biggest lessons I had, so this, that mare that I had, I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, this is enough. I'm tired of, it's not fun anymore. It sucked the life out of when you're getting dumped all the time or you couldn't, you can't even get a saddle on. It's not fun. That's not fun to ride. And, you know, it's not, it wasn't my life at the, I mean, it was my life, but it wasn't my livelihood. And when you go and you have a couple hours to ride, you don't want to have to, you know, you don't want your force to pull back every time or buck or all that anyways. So I got more serious about it. And this horse that I had, she actually ended up hurting herself real bad from pulling back. And I will never forget my veterinarian at the time. He's like, you got three options here, basically. He's like, you can let the horse be and maybe find a pasture and see how she does, you know, basically, you know, cause she tore a tendon and it was just never, she was never going to come back from it. And he's like, but he said those words he's like but you're not a trainer and you're not gonna be able to handle her in this situation because I couldn't even give her a shot I couldn't you know it was getting pretty bad and stuff but those words I'll never forget it you are not a trainer and it was just like a, a knife to the heart and you know it was just uh it was it it was like, oh my God, I'm not a trainer, you know? <laughs> and because I didn't know, and I look back now, I'm no, I don't know. I still don't know anything, but I did not know anything. And so I got pretty serious after that. And then I got another young horse and that thing put me through the ringer too. And then that's when I really started getting a lot of help from Jerry. And he was living in Northern California at the time. So I went up there quite a bit and then it just kind of worked out. He offered me a job basically you know a little bit of work for trade for education and then it just kind of grew from there and uh yeah so that's almost eight years ago now so um you know I started out just working and helping him and trade and things like that and then it just kind of morphed into more and um and here we are today so you know living the dream living the dream heck yeah 
it's you know, uh, so, go ahead go, oh it's it i mean i do i get i i um just and it's fine i, I don't mind it but i get stuck i don't want to say stuck but i do a lot more of the office work right it's I, i'm better at it i've had more experience growing up in technology i mean i've had technology in my life my whole life right so but i mean jerry i mean he you know when he was around it was pony express days so yeah. i mean <laughs> stuff has Telegraph. changed jerry yeah <laughs> where you talk on the phone with the holding it up to your ear and you got the microphone yeah yeah jen have you ever asked jerry what abraham lincoln was like yeah, no. I, I, taught, I taught him how to ride. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it you find in relationships, you find your strengths and everything, and yeah, and uh, you, you pick up the weight where you can. And um, you know, it's the same thing for me and Sky. Sky does all the yeah. social media stuff. Yeah, she does a good social job. Social media, social media is hard for me, um, because I think of all the things I could be doing. Correct. You know, and and uh, but she has lots of friends, and she has family that's spread out all over the place and so she's already on there and mm -hmm. so she can just pick up and, and do that where i would rather be out working on something else right. or you know I, I do all the website stuff and all the video editing and these podcasts and this type of deal and she's like i don't want Good. none of that you know yeah so well that's what i that's why i was trying to you know like getting that is like all that stuff weighs me down sometimes because i get cranky <laughs> uh, you know because I, I don't oh I don't want to do it I want to ride horses for a living and all that but unfortunately it's a necessary necess necessary part of the job but I am truly fortunate to do what we get to do because I mean you're looking at it I grew up in this in the sense in the city and even when we lived in the rural areas we still are you know not in the rural part and we had horses and just like a lot of our clients you know, we work, we have our lives and we do all that. So I'm very fortunate to know, to, to be able to do what we get to do, even though I have to do the book work or the other stuff, because I mean, I can go out and ride if I want to, or we got, you know, we, I, I get to do some of the breeding now we have babies and, you mm -hmm. know, we have hogs that we raise, we do a bunch of other stuff. And it's truly a, a blessed life to be able to do what we get to do. So yeah, that's really cool. I think a lot of people don't recognize everything it takes to to do, you know, well, you could apply it to pretty much any business, you know, Correct. I mean, anything you, you know, you just don't know what's behind the scenes going on to make that world go round, you know, and, yeah. but, but we sure appreciate what you do, Jen. And, and I'm glad you're oh. uh, getting social media going so we can actually see what Jerry does. And I know. I like your, I liked your video the other day about uh, you had that big, uh, what do you call it? That, uh, Floppy man. Yeah. The floppy man. Yeah. That flopping man. Yeah. 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 The yeah. Man. yeah. That's what we call it. Yeah. That was pretty, it's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty fun. Well, we're, we're in the works of doing that. So we're trying to, you know, we're always looking for help and the editing is super time consuming, mm. as you know. Yeah. Right. And oh, it's yeah. really difficult to give people videos and have them edit if they don't know the program, right. If they don't know or see, yeah, like, they don't know what they're looking at. They don't know. Exactly. So, so you can't just hire somebody no. to edit your videos because, you know, they'll see you, you know, like, you know, you work on something and you're letting a mule or a horse kind of soak a little bit and let them think about it. And you're about to talk about their expressions and, and them kind of going through that process. But an editor 
uh, and this happened to me. This is why I'm why I'm saying it is the other. Right. Oh, I cut out all that that stuff between you know this and this. I'm like, no, that's, that's the goal. That's, <laughs> that's the learning. Why yeah. would you do that? Oh, sorry, yeah. man. It just was boring. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you because you don't yeah. know. Uh, that's the gold, you know. So it is hard. You have to do that stuff yourself. Good thing about like making videos with with mules and horses is for the most part it's a start and stop on the educational videos like just mm-hmm. start it and stop it you don't really have to do much the editing that really bugs me and this way sky sky does the social media is okay but well, we want a 30 second clip for instagram <laughs> that's instagram, jerry not telegram instagram yeah <laughs> and uh you know, it's a thing on the, in the interwebs, but, um, yeah, anyways, interwebs. you know, that, that kind of stuff. And then sky will add music to it or words to it, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and that stuff is, uh, yeah, that's definitely up her alley for sure. <laughs> so, well, we're glad you do that, Jenna. Um, yeah. something I wanted we'll to ask more. you about before we, uh, before we run out of too much time here is, is you, you were involved in that, um, Missouri meal makeover a few years back. What that was yeah. in 20 or 21. I did. But I can, I signed up for both. So 2020 was the first year yeah, and I did 21, but I ended up getting hurt. So I didn't finish it because yeah. I had one leg. So, um, but yeah, in 2020 I did it. And I talked earlier about my little red mule Maverick. He was the one that I did it with in mm-hmm. 2020. So in Jerry talks about his mule, that was real tough. That didn't pull and all that and taught him a lot of educational that's basically what my what maverick is for me i i couldn't i couldn't ask for a better teacher because he's pretty tough um but he's yeah without him i probably wouldn't be as where i'm at today that's for sure it's really the whole process it's been over the last couple years with him has been an an amazing journey Mm -hmm. for lack of better words yeah, yeah I, enjoyed, I enjoyed watching you, you know, oh, your, your, pro, your your stuff that you did there and, and all that. That was kind of neat. I did we that. Need- I did that Missouri Meal Makeover in right. 19 to 2019, I think. Uh-huh. The first and, uh, year. Second yeah, year. I had a yeah. I had a handful too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was but they wouldn't even um now they show the placings of everybody, which is really Correct. cool. But but when, when I started, they said, nope, we're just announcing the winner. That's yeah. it. So <laughs> you're either first or your last, which is how I live anyway. It's being first or yeah. last, right? <laughs> Ricky Bob. So um, well, anyways, but they didn't even place me. But even if they would have placed, I was probably last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny yeah. you say that because – we had a meeting about that, right? So before the, while you're in Missouri at the event, they have a trainer's meeting where everyone goes and they talk about the weekend and what's going to happen. And, and they said that in the years past, we've always done just first place and we all chose to do placings. Mm -hmm. So the year in 2020, when I did it, they placed us all Mm -hmm. and I did come in dead last. (laughs) (laughs) Dang I mean, it. I can, I can Never mind. Let's just go back to first place only. Yeah. <laughs> no. And like, I don't. We don't want to know. No. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it because you know what? If I didn't have that little mule and if I didn't, I, I would be in the same spot. I think about that all the tough horses. Like when I first started working for Jerry and I was going up all the time, what happened is I got a, a, a young horse. I didn't know any better. And I got 
a really bad concussion. I mean, that thing put me in the hospital. Like to this day, I don't even know what happened. But without that horse, I'm very lucky it wasn't worse. I would have never been pushed past where I was at. I would have been staying in the same. And it's the same thing with this, with Maverick is that without him and you have the easy ones, you don't, in my opinion, you don't learn as much. And I mean, I gotta be thankful to Jerry here because he's really <laughs> stuck by me and with all this stuff. And he kept telling me before that event, before the makeover, it's not good enough. He's like, you need to get better. You got to get deeper. And I'm like, no, I think he's all right. I think he's doing fine. And he was hanging together and all this stuff. But when we got to that event, he sure enough said, here's, here's your sign. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't hang together. And it was the most embarrassing, you know, because you think, oh, I work for Jerry Tendall and I know, and you know, he, I do this every day and yada, yada, yada. And I can... And then you go out there and I couldn't even get my mule from not running off and keeping his head up in the air. And it was just, I mean, I was pretty fit to be tied and I was emotional <laughs> and Jerry's just like, hang in there. You can do it. And I, I literally was ready to go home and he was like, nah, stick it out, stick it out. And I did, and we didn't do well. And I just did what I could the rest of the weekend with him. You know, we made it through but that we would, all go through it with, just like I did yeah. with my boxing deal yeah you know it's taken mm -hmm. me a lot of years to become the sterling figure you see before you today <laughs> <laughs> yeah Jerry it didn't happen overnight that's yeah. right that's yeah. right you know but it, I tell you it was... go ahead Jerry same for people and horses what I've really learned to apply today is just enough challenge to get them to feel better but not to be discouraged or get hurt yeah. And that's quite a balance that I'm really good at. And I'm very aware of it. And uh, they don't, people in the horses that I work, they don't even really understand that I'm taking them to that level because there's so much timing and release and things I've learned how to do and, and learn how to wait. And like you said, watch the expression and those sort of things. So I'm really excited today in my education where I'm at. And I feel pretty blessed to have had that opportunity you know, I shot horses. I had to shoe with foot ropes. I had to tie their legs up. I had horses. I tied the legs up and uh, it was crazy. Uh, there, there's so much I've learned along the way and there's so much more I want to learn, but it's a pretty neat journey. It is. It's a journey and we're learning all the time, but, uh, yeah, Jenna, a lot of those, uh, situations can be very humbling, you know, yeah. for, for sure. Uh, in all aspects, you know, and, and it kind of goes back to what we was talking about earlier about ego. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, for sure. even, even, you know, for me, it was tough. Um, you know, when I, when I did that, that year, yeah. uh, earlier that year, that's when I had won that national title. So I come off of mm -hmm. winning a national title and then <laughs> I had all kinds of trouble with it, <laughs> but, you know, and I didn't necessarily have any, any, any big, you know, uh, any big moments at the makeover show, like showing the mule, we just weren't, you know, nearly the caliber that the other mules were at. And yeah, it is humbling and you got to, yeah. you know, set that ego aside and, and, uh, but you also learn from it too, you know, and you say, well, you know, and I think that is, you know, I'm not big in showing. I, I don't show. I really don't. I mean, Bishop is as, is as much as I had ever shown and maybe some of these other small mule days and things. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a showman of any kind, but when you go to some of those things, 
and and you do kind of throw your hat in the ring yeah boy, it, it it does push you and you and you go wow well you know i got some things to work on and um i might be weird i i, I am weird i know that no. <laughs> but, but i i kind of like being uncomfortable um you know and i think that goes back to you know that's what you know what pushed me when i was rodeoing you know, mm-hmm. riding Bronx. Mm-hmm. I like that little edge of discomfort, you know, uh, well, even these podcasts, you know, I invite guests and, you know, here I am talking to Mr. Jerry Tyndall and Janet, you know, I mean, all these things can be intimidating, you know, but I kind of like it. I kind of yeah. like being on that edge just a little bit. And, and I, and I feel like I'm, you know, that's definitely a blessing for me to, to kind of like that, but that's how we get better. You put yourself in those situations and, you push a little bit and, and the clinics are the same thing. I, I totally feel for all the participants that show up to a clinic because you know, well, day one is always a little bit of a cluster because they show up, you know, they're nervous and their animals are usually nervous because of that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all these new things. And, and so I always commend people, you know, thanks for pushing yourself. It's good to push yourself. Yeah. You know, um, Martin Black uh, says, you know, there's, uh, what does he say? There's no, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, there's no comfort in the growth zone and no growth in the comfort zone. Yeah. You know? And well, that's, I kind of like that. It's definitely the case. And I mean, I, I'm very thankful to have Jerry as, you know, not only my husband, but my, my mentor and everything, because he does, he pushes me out of that because I probably would stay more in my comfort zone without someone there helping me along or no, I got to get a little better. You got to do a little bit more because it's very easy to stay where you are comfortable. And that's why I like showing is because it pushes me to be better. Like, yeah. I, cause, cause I'm not super competitive and where I want to win against everyone else. I want to do the best I can do, but there is a small part of me that wants to win for sure. I I mean, (laughs) and so I want to be, it helps me be better for my, for my animals, horses and mules alike and the donkeys and, but it, and it also helps, helps me grow and, Mm -hmm. and have those experiences and, it's, I mean, we talk so much about how blessed we are because as you know, could you imagine doing anything else? Mm-hmm. Like we're so fortunate to do what we get to do every day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pretty neat life. Absolutely. But, well, I appreciate you guys. Um, at the end of all my uh, guest episodes, I asked my guests if they could give one word of advice, uh, one piece of advice to you know, people just kind of going down this road of life. It can be advice about mules, horses. It can be just life advice, but I'd like you both to chime in on that. And uh, we'll put Jerry on the spot first. Jerry, what, what's the word of advice you could give these people going down the road of life today? Well, there's two parts of it. One is we need to be observant. We need to remember and then we need to compare. Mm. And the other thing that I like to think about the most, and this applies to everything I do, is to know what you want, know how to ask for it, and know when you get it. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, Jerry. Those are good, good things. 
Heck yeah. Well, Jana, how about you? From <laughs> all my years of experience. No. Hey, yeah, you've lived, you've lived life. You've lived life. And my, we might lose Jerry after I say this. Uh oh, I'm might, out of here. He might fall right off his chair. But you have to, you have to find, we have to have help from everybody. And we're not going to be able to do it on our own without some guidance and someone with more experience and knowledge. And even if it hurts, you got to listen to them because they've been there, they've done it, they've listened, and that's how we all get better. Oh, yeah. That's good, Jana. You know, I, you know, I've, I've, I got to totally agree with everything there because, you know, um, you know, I'm here in the mountains, right? And uh, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, kind of mountain man people they go off and they want to live all by themselves. And it sounds kind of romantic, kind of cool, but I don't think that's why we're here. We're not no. here to be alone. We're, no. we're not here just to go be a mountain man and, you know, live in the backwoods and not talk to anybody. We're here to help and be helped. And um, sometimes being a blessing to somebody else is letting them help you, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that's hard for, hard for me is to let somebody help me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good stuff, Janet. Uh, absolutely. Well, you guys, uh, thank you both so much for doing this for me and and being on the show and everything. Well, thank I'm you. I'm sure you're gonna just take my ratings out of the roof. Everybody's oh, gonna be okay. so happy to hear from me. Well, once we catch on board and we can get some of this stuff, we might have to go and uh, we'll have to have you. Well, we would like you to come and do some stuff with us too. And yeah, uh, once we catch up to the 24th century, 24th year here. Podcasting. Mm-hmm. Podcasting, yeah. Podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get a catch up. <laughs> but, That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. And uh yeah, you guys, I hope you have a awesome day and uh catch up on all your administrative work and then maybe get some time to hang out together. So well, anyway, we sure thank you. And uh and I want to make a comment about how much I appreciate what you do and your compassion to you know, helping the mule industry and the people and also the steps that you're taking to progress into some finalized versions of the bridal mule and and learning to to get people helping people learn how to get to those to those goals. So we appreciate what you do and uh, appreciate you uh, as a family man. And uh, we just really like what you do. And thank uh, thank you so much for inviting us to be with you today. Heck yeah, Jerry. Yeah, thank you guys both. And uh, thank you. you guys are listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you as well. So if you have time um, after you listen to this, be sure to give us a review. Uh, tell us what you think. Leave us five stars because Jerry and Jana uh, deserve it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, tell us what you think, you guys. And you can always send your comments to me, Ty at tsmules.com. But thanks so much for listening, you guys. God bless you all. And we will see you down the road.